Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? Well, that's what we're here to find out. For this episode, we're listening to a story from Philo Vance, a series distantly based on the dilettante detective created by S.S. Van Dyne, the pen name of New York art critic Willard Huntington Wright. Van Dyne published the first of his 12 Philo Vance novels in 1926. The character is counted among the most iconic fictional detectives, alongside Sherlock Holmes, Hercule Poirot, and Nero Wolfe. Impeccably dressed, Vance solved mysteries with his dizzying variety of skills and a disdainful, condescending manner. With Van Dyne's death in 1939, his final installment in the series was published complete, but without final revisions by the author. Philo Vance was adapted to film several times, starting in 1929 with The Canary Murder Case, starring William Powell as the title character. Other actors to take on the role over the years include Basil Rathbone, Warren William, Wilfred Hyde White, and more. The trailer for this 1934 film, The Thin Man, features William Powell as Philo Vance, talking to William Powell as Nick Charles. According to Digital Deli's research, the detective was first brought to radio in 1943 in a series starring John Emery, although not much is known about this run sponsored by Rally Cigarettes. Jose Ferrar starred as Philo Vance in a second series begun in 1945, but most existing episodes, including this one, are from a third series that debuted in 1946 featuring Jackson Beck in the title role. Beck may be best known as the announcer for radio's The Adventures of Superman. He also played Perry White and Alfred Pennysworth when Batman made a guest appearance. All of the radio versions of Final Vance appear to have muted the detective's most distinctive traits, but not his love of mysteries, as we will find out as we listen to The Cheesecake Murder Case from Philo Vance, first broadcast July 26th, 1949. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and enjoy your cheesecake. I won't give it to you at all. Oh, yes. Yes, you will. And right now. Oh. Come on, Jenny. You know I'm dying to see what you made me. Oh, it must be important to you if you left that piece of cheesecake. What's the matter? Don't you feel well, darling? I, I, I feel very fine and very curious. Oh, sorry. You're going to have to wait, and you're going to have to stop pestering me uh, while you're waiting, and that's all there is to it. Pestering? You think I've been pestering you? Oh, yes. Well, wait till you find out what a pest I can be. <laughs> Jane Ashley, you made me a present. I want it. At least I want to know what it is. Yes. Uh, cheesecake. You made me a cheesecake. Oh, you think I'm that silly. <laughs> cheesecake has been my rival for your affections ever since I've known you. No, no cheesecake. Uh-huh. Pair of socks? What? So I'd have another pair of socks to wash after we get married? <laughs> oh, nope. No socks. Well, a sweater. That's what it is, a sweater. Oh, you're not even lukewarm. Oh, um. All right, you little imp. <laughs> I've taken enough of this. Are you going to tell me or aren't you? Depends on what you have to tell me. I love you, darling. Very much. Oh. Well, in that case, I've got your present right here in the drawer. Good. Here it is. You like it? Hey, that's swell. A mask. That's right, Billy. Oh, I get awfully worried when you go out to do a job. Somebody might recognize you sometime. Wear this mask I made you. Sure I will, honey. And thanks. Mm. Pretty good idea, too. That guy last night could have identified me, sure, if, if he'd lived. With my record, they'd have grabbed me in an hour. I'm glad you like your present, Billy. And that's pretty, and, and it's practical. 
Shows you think of me when I'm not here. I like that. I like thinking about you when you're not here. It's the next best thing to having you here, Billy. Uh-oh. Oh, what's the matter? Matter? Look at the time. Mike's waiting downstairs for me in the car. I got a job to pull right now, Jane. Oh. A photographer who's working bright and early in the morning and keeps all his cash in the studio. Oh, well, call me right afterwards, darling, and... And, darling, wear the mask for luck. Sure. But I won't need too much luck, honey. If that photographer resents being robbed, he's the one that's gonna need it. trying being Miss Outdoors at 7 in the morning. <laughs> Just hold that tennis racket a little higher over your head, honey. Uh-huh. That's good. If I get this picture, it'll be the last one. Morning sun is just what I need. Beats artificial lighting a mile. <laughs> last one if it's good, kid. Oh, pleasant words, Mr. Merton. Very pleasant words. How's this? Fine, but just tilt your head up a little bit. Huh? Good. Keep your left hand away from your legs. Got to have legs in the picture or the clients won't buy. Neither will the customers. What would I do without legs, I wonder? I spend hours every day making up my face, going to beauty parlors about my hair, and what's the most important part of the picture? My legs. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Merton, you're a pretty wealthy man. Why do you work this hard and this early? Well, Sally, I'm like my clients and their customers. Uh-huh. I like legs, too. <laughs> now, now, hold it just that way while I take a look in the camera. Right. I've got a hunch that this is... Okay, Rembrandt, hold it just where you are. Well, what have we got here? A guy, a gun, and a mask. Oh, Mr. Merton, please. You sure you're in the right place, buddy? Don't you wish I weren't? Oh, don't point You, that. over there in the stand, stop the yapping. You won't get hurt. You won't either, Sonny, if you're a nice guy and hand over the dough in that safe over there. A stick-up, huh? Okay, come on over and get it. That was the general idea of my coming here. Now, don't try anything cute, pal. Just hand me the dough that's in there, and I'll get out of here. Well, what are you waiting for? Just till I get near enough to you to... Oh, oh sucker! Wait! Oh, 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 dirty! Oh, shut up, sister! Help, shut up! Haven't I had trouble help. enough? Shut up, I said! All right, I'll shut you! I gotta get out of here. Gotta get to that telephone... Hello? Call the police. Man here wearing a mask killed Mr. Merton. Shot me. Stop him. Stop him. Hope you don't mind dropping into this hotel lobby, Vance. No, not at all. My secretary was to leave an envelope for me at the desk so I wouldn't have to go all the way downtown to my office this morning. I don't mind, Markham. We still have an hour before court opens. Uh, will you be long? Just long enough to pick up the envelope so I can have it with me in court. That's the trouble with being a district attorney. You have to spend so much time in court. Personally, I prefer trying to find criminals whom you can take to court. It's more exciting, more of a challenge to the imagination. You ever hear a murderer's alibi, Vance? That's generally the height of imagination. But today's case isn't a murder. It's a case where two men... Just a moment. Phone call for me? Apparently. A boy. Oh, boy. Yes, sir? Hi, Mr. Markham. There's a call for you in booth three, sir. Thank you, boy. Just a moment. There you are. Thank you. Come on, Vance. It's probably my secretary just telling me that she didn't finish the papers in time and that she'll bring them directly to court, but we'll see. I hope that isn't what the call is, Markham. (laughs) You'd like it to be a murder, wouldn't you? No, but if there were a murder, I'd like to be in on it at the beginning. (laughs) Here we are, Markham. Uh, booth three. Here it is. Excuse me, Vance. Certainly. Hello, Markham speaking. D.A., Sergeant Heath, homicide. Your secretary told me where I could reach you. What's up, Heath? Murder, D.A. Stick up and murder. Guy broke into the studio of a rich photographer named Merton early this morning. Shot him when he tried to resist. Merton? Yeah, he's dead. Guy also shot Merton's model, but she was able to call downstairs to the switchboard. Go on, Heath. Well, the switchboard guy tried to stop the killer, but he took a smack on the head from the guy's gun instead. Staggered out front in time to see the guy race away in a sedan. Got the license number and called it in. Good. We get one break on the case anyway. Ah, we get more than one, D.A. Just got a call at headquarters that a radio car spotted the sedan is chasing it. Thought you'd like to know. I certainly would. I'll come down to headquarters with Philo Vance. Heath, wait there for me, will you? Sure. 
Oh, look, do you have to bring Vance? This is no case for a mastermind, D.A. If we get the car, we'll get the guy in it that shot Merton. Why bring Vance in on this? I'll tell you why, Heath. He and I were going to court. As long as we're together, and as long as there's been a murder, there's no way I know to keep Philo Vance away. Step on it, Mike. we got to get more speed. That prowl car's picking up on us. I can't help it, Billy. i got my foot on the floorboard now. We're doing better than 70. Keep going and stop slowing up for those curves. That's what's holding us up. we got to slow up for him, Billy. This crate will crash if we don't. They ain't banked too good. Keep close to the inside. We'll pick up a little time there, waiter. Cops are taking the turns wide. Well, whatever they're doing, it's working for them. They... I don't like this. I'm scared. Keep going, dope. Keep your foot down on the gas. I'll stop those cops. When they get close enough, maybe I'll throw a shot at them just for luck. Better wait till after we get around this bend, Billy. Hold on! This is a tough one! The wheel, Mike! Stay with that wheel! The curve! We gotta... Mike! Chasing is still inside, nice and pretty. Just waiting for us to show up. Of course, he can't very well do anything about being hospitable or nothing on account. Yeah, he's dead. Ah. That's a good morning's work for us. Sure. Guess I'll go back to car and radio headquarters, huh? Why not? Just tell him that some guy tried to stick up and we chased him. Of course, we didn't catch up to him, but that doesn't matter. On account of death, did. I've been so worried. That radio said that a man... That was Mike, Janie. He drove me from the studio after I killed the photographer. Oh. And when our car crashed, I got out and planted the gun and mask on him and beat it just in time to duck the cops. Oh, Billy, I'm so glad you called. I've been absolutely frantic. No need to be, Janie, girl. The only trouble with this morning was the fact that I didn't get what I wanted at the studio. shucks. Be over at your place in a couple of hours. Wait for me. You know I will. Oh, that present you gave me, that mask? Yeah. Well, it's been picked up by the cops, naturally. Uh-huh. Only they think that Mike was alone in the car and that he killed the camera guy. Well, good. Very lucky present you gave me. Oh, I'm glad, Billy. And I'll make you something else, a surprise. Do that, baby. Uh, make it a cheesecake surprise. I had to leave a nice, fresh cheesecake I bought in the car when Mike got killed. Isn't that a shame? <laughs> Quite a good driver, Sergeant Heath. You got us out here to the scene of the crash very quickly. Right, Markham? Right, Vance. Although I don't know what you can expect to find out here. Except a wrecked car used for a getaway after a stick-up and a killing. The dead killer's body has been removed, Vance, but nothing else has been touched. Why did you want to take a look at the car? I'm not sure yet, Markham. Perhaps I had no reason. But I'll know that better after I take a look inside it. Coming, Markham? Yes, of course. Heath? No, not me, D.A. I've been out here once this morning. It's too hot in the sun for me. You two go ahead. I'll wait in the car. We wrapped up this stick-up murder in short order, don't you think, Vance? Well... And we got a hospital report that the model the killer shot will recover. All in all, it sounds like a good morning's work. (laughs) Even though you didn't get to court. (laughs) (laughs) I have several capable assistants, Vance. They took care of matters there for me. Well, here we are. Uh, Car's not wrecked as badly as I'd thought. It crashed into that tree with enough force to kill the driver. And the driver was the man who held up and killed Merton, the photographer. So I guess that's all that could be asked of it. I suppose that's right. Markham, there's a folded top coat on the back seat of the sedan. Next to it, a package. There's a cheesecake in that package, Vance. And that's where the police found it, and the coat. They went through the coat, but there were no means of identification in it. Fingerprints told us nothing either, by the way. Something is telling me something, Markham. What are you doing with that sunshade, Vance? Putting it back up to its normal position, my friend. Just want to see if it could have been jarred down by the crash. Well, could it? I doubt it very much. In fact, Markham, I'm not even sure whether you got your killer or not. Now, Vance, please. The man was seen running out of the studio building. He was chased by the phone operator who got this license number. Police cars picked up the trail almost immediately, and one of our cars was chasing this one when it crashed. 
The murderer wouldn't have had a chance to get out and turn the car over to a Confederate while the chase was on. Oh, that's right. But I still think there were two people in this car. And it's very possible that the murderer got away. I don't know why you think that, but as long as you do, what are you going to do about it? Up until this minute, we thought we had a complete case in the killing of Mr. Merton. We found the murder gun and the mask here in the car. We have what we want. I doubt whether you have. And I doubt whether I'm going to be of any help to you till I find the other man that was riding in this car when it crashed early this morning. And that, Markham, is going to be a man-sized job. This is District Attorney Markham. The Cheesecake Murder case opened with the murder of George Merton, photographer who specialized in leg art, known colloquially as Cheesecake. His model, Sally Burns, is in a hospital recovering from a bullet wound. And Philo Vance and I have inspected a car in which we believe the murderer fled the scene of the crime. The car, the driver dead at the wheel, seemed to have solved the case, but Vance is of the opinion that another man was in the car and escaped. His identity, if there was such a person, is unknown. Who he is or where he is... Read it to me again, Jenny. I like to hear it. Uh-huh. Uh, just the part where I fooled him. <laughs> All right. Mmm. Gee, this is good cheesecake. Where'd you get it? Huh? Oh, the usual place, Rawley's. Uh-huh. Okay, Billy, here we go. Sergeant Heath of the Homicide Department is confident that the murderer of George Merton was killed in the crash that followed a wild chase with the suburb of Arlingville. The car was identified as the one in which the killer fled, with the telephone operator in Merton's building supplying the identification. Great. Sally Burns, Merton's model, identified the mask found on the dead driver as that worn by the holdup man, and the gun in the driver's <laughs> pocket has been checked and proven to be the murder weapon. <laughs> well, that's it, Billy. Oh, I guess I'm pretty smart, huh? Oh, I never doubted that for a minute, honey. Well, hey. Hey, listen to this. Another story on the murder. What? It says, Philo Vance, noted private investigator, in an interview today said that he believed a second man was riding what? in the car, which the police believed to be the one used by the murderer of George Merton. Give me a paper. Vance refused to give any reasons for his belief but it is understood that District Attorney Markham is placing great faith in Vance's theory oh, and has referred it to Homicide Sergeant Heath. What do you know about that? I don't get it. Me neither. How could Vance think there was somebody else in that car? Oh, gee. How could he know about me? The cops chasing us never got a look. They couldn't know there were two people in the car. Golly. I didn't leave anything there except the cheesecake. Hey, what could Vance mean? What could Vance mean, Billy? Well, Vance could mean that he's just as smart as you are. Don't bet. Sweetheart, this little clam bake this morning didn't work out according to plan. I got no dough from Merton, but I know where there's a load of it just waiting to be taken. Where, Billy? There's a factory payroll getting made up this afternoon. I got the place cased. It'll be a snap. After that, wedding bells. Okay with you, sweetheart? Oh, sure. Do a good job, honey. I will. A good job, and I buy a string of pearls for you. Oh... A bad job, and the state gives me a rope for free. Just dump the money out of the bag, Freddy. I done my job. Guarded you when you went to the bank for the money. Right. Huh? Here we are. $30,000 worth of Uncle Sam's calling cards. <laughs> it was sure shaky when I carried it from the bank, even with you around. Well, here's the greenback shower. I sure wouldn't mind getting caught in that kind of rain. <laughs> I guess not. All in tens and twenties, Pat. Oh, uh, hand me the payroll list, will you, so I can begin to fill the envelopes? Sure. Here you are. Hey, nobody's allowed in here. I know. I like that. Then we won't be interrupted. Huh? All right, put all the dough back in the bag you just dragged from the bank. Come on, get moving. Stick up, eh? I ain't playing games. Now, don't either of you be a patsy because the dough isn't yours. It belongs to the company. But your life belongs to you, and believe me, I'll shoot in a minute if either of you gets cute, including you, copper. No kidding. I think no, I... No, don't do it, Pat. Don't start anything. I'm giving them the money. Oh. Well, that's being smart, pal. I want the money. I don't want either of you to turn around and get a look at me. And I want five minutes to get away before you start screaming. Well? Everything your own way, huh? Sure. 
I like me. I'm entitled to that. All right, get moving. Get the dough in the bag so I can get out of here. I suppose you're wondering why we're going to see the model who was shot, Markham. Inasmuch as the police have already questioned her. Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. Well, Markham, we've never been up against so hopeless a situation before. I have absolutely no assurance that there were two men in the murder car. Just my theory. We have a topcoat, which means nothing, and a cheesecake, which doesn't help us, and... Well, that's all. Perhaps the model might supply us with a little information. All I can tell you is that she remembers nothing. Apparently, she was hypnotized by the gun in the murderer's hand. But you'll find that out for yourself... Oh, nurse. Yes, Mr. Markham. You want to see Miss Burns? We'd like to. How is she? She's resting in her room. Please try not to do anything to disturb her. I won't, nurse. I promise you that. Come on, lads. I'm with you. Hello, Miss Burns. I'd like to present Philo Vance. Hello. How do you do? Miss Burns, Mr. Vance would like to ask you a question or two. Do you feel equal to answering? What do you want to know? I was hoping that you could tell us something about what the holdup killer looked like. Something that would help us find him. I can't. The police asked me that. I've tried and I can't. When he came into the room, all I could look at was his gun. I kept staring at it, expecting any minute it would shoot. I keep seeing that gun and the middle finger of a man's hand on the trigger. I see it all the time. I see it right now. Oh, please, please don't ask me anything more, please. I'm sorry, Miss Burns. Please don't be upset. It's all over now. But you've helped us, Miss Burns. Believe me, you have. Come on, Markham. I'm sorry. I'm such a baby. You're not. You're a very brave girl and a very helpful one. Thank you very much. I do hope you feel better. Oh, thank you. Goodbye, Miss Burns. Vance, what did you mean by telling her that what she said was helpful? Trying to make her feel good? Not at all. She was helpful. I'll know exactly how helpful as soon as we make a stop at Raleigh's Restaurant. You mean to tell me you found something in this case that ties up with Raleigh's restaurant? Yes. Where was I all this time? Right here with me. I'll admit this much. Raleigh's is just a guess. But if it's a good guess, I think I'll have your killer for you. You see, I can describe him in a manner so definite that if he'd ever been to Raleigh's, they'd remember him. I don't know how you can do that, of course, but why go to Raleigh's to describe our murderer? Raleigh's makes the best cheesecake in town. That may be, but I don't like cheesecake. I know, but our murderer does. I hope. Of course, I'm proud of our cheesecake, Vance. It's famous all over the country, and this cheesecake you have is definitely ours. That's what I thought when I borrowed it from the police, Mr. Raleigh. You might be of great assistance to me and the police. If I could describe a man with a completely distinguishing characteristic, one whom I imagine is very fond of cheesecake, would you identify him? Oh, well, I hardly think so. So many people like cheesecake. I was hoping that perhaps you'd sent cakes to his apartment at some time or other. And if you had, that perhaps you could give us the address. We have a record of every customer's name and address, Vance. But uh, you'd have to describe the man pretty well if I'm going to come even close to recognizing him. I'll describe him so well that there isn't a chance of your not knowing him if he happened to be one of your customers, Mr. Raleigh. And if he did happen to be one of your customers, he's as good as caught right now. Hello, Sergeant Heath. Glad you're here. Hello, Heath. You know, done this address just as soon as I got word that you and Mr. Markham wanted me to meet you, Vance. What's up? Heath, Sally Burns, the model, told Vance that she was fascinated by the killer's middle finger around his gun when he broke into Merton's studio. Well, sure. That's why she couldn't even come close to describing the guy. That and the fact that he wore a mask. I'll take it from there, Markham. Okay. You wait down here, if you will. Heath, come with me. All right. Where? Up the stairs of this house. Keep your eyes open, Markham. I will. Luck to you, Vance. Thanks. Now, Heath, when that model told me that the killer's middle finger was around the gun, that got me thinking. Nobody shoots a gun with his middle finger. It's always the index finger. Yeah, that's right. Lower your voice now, Sergeant, please. We have to walk up a flight of steps to grab our killer. Hey, what happened after you figured out there was something wrong with the trigger finger, Vance? You remember the cheesecake found in the murderer's car, Heath? Yeah, sure. Why? I brought it to Raleigh's restaurant. It was made by them, all right. Uh, so? So I gave Mr. Raleigh a description of the man I knew was the real killer, Heath. 
I told him the man we were looking for had a paralyzed index finger. Hey, that's probably right. Else why would he shoot a gun with his middle finger? No reason. Heath, Mr. Raleigh remembered a customer whose finger was paralyzed. Yeah? He looked up his records and found that he had delivered cheesecakes to him several times. Gave us his name, Bill Avery, and his address. I get it. And we're crawling up to his apartment now, is that it? That's it. Now, I know he's in there because while Markham and I were waiting for you, we spotted him. And this is his apartment door. Wait. What for? Just wanted to try the door. Might have been unlocked, but it's not. Quiet now. Yeah, there's nobody inside. Shh. Yes, there is, Heath. I hear somebody moving around. Come on, help me break down this door now. One more ought to do it, Vance. There we are. Hey, there goes a guy trying to get out the window of the fire escape. Grab him, Vance. Don't worry, I will. Leave him to me. Get downstairs and help Markham head him off in case I don't get him. Right. Pretty smart, aren't you? But you haven't got me yet. Slight difference of opinion, my friend. I'm getting out on that fire escape with you. And that's what you think. Oh, well, that won't stop me from getting out there with you. Okay, smart guy. You're going down the fire escape the hard way over the rail. No, I'm not. I, I doubt it. Help! Help me! I'm falling! Ah! Hey, Vance, is this the killer down here? Yes, Markham. That was our murderer. Markham, I know. You want me to tell you why I was so sure there were two men in the murder car. On a sunny morning like this, Vance, I'm entitled to be enlightened, don't you think? <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, Markham, the first reason was this. You and I are driving in your car. The sun is out and you have the sunshield pulled down. Of course. It keeps the sun out of my eyes when I'm driving. Right. Well, the sunshield on my side is pulled down, too. That's because I don't want the sun in my eyes. There were two sunshields on the murder car, both pulled down. Yeah, that would indicate there was a passenger in the murder car, come to think of it. Not conclusively, of course. But then there was that cheesecake and a topcoat belonging to the dead driver across the back seat. Why the back seat, Markham? I don't know. The natural thing to do with a topcoat if you're alone in a car is to throw it over the seat next to you. Except if there's somebody sitting in that seat. Right. I see now why you knew there were two men in the car, Vance. Wonderful observation. Thank you. Merely a combination of circumstances that couldn't be explained any other way to my satisfaction. Now, Markham, you know why, in the beginning, I insisted that the dead driver was not necessarily our murderer. Yes, I do. I know why you insisted in the beginning, and also how you found him at the end of the cheesecake murder case. The Cheesecake Murder Case from Philo Vance here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. So, Tim, uh, why'd you pick Philo Vance and why this episode? I've been waiting for a while to make this confession to you guys. First of all, this is sort of an audience pick. Uh, On one of our happy hours, like just as we were wrapping up and saying bye or bye, someone put in the chat, uh, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was, if it was you. I have forgotten your name. I'm so sorry. But uh, this one, like, 
Final Vance. Because I assume that's what people sound like when they're typing in the chat. You should, guys <laughs> should do Final Vance. <laughs> and I had this huge positive reaction. Like, yes, Final Vance. I like Philo Vance. I don't remember why, but I really enjoy Philo Vance. I want to do that. I'm going to commit to it. And I mentioned, I, I think to Joshua, I was like, I want to do Philo Vance. And, and Joshua was in support of it too. And I'm sure he'll explain later his enthusiasm for Philo Vance. But I couldn't for the life of me remember what it was about Philo Vance I was so excited about. And then eventually, after I made this decision and committed to it, I remembered Philo Vance knows the lowdown. Throw your troubles out the door. I had confused it with the city of Philomath, as mentioned in the R.E.M. song, Can't Get There From Here. I know nothing about Philo Vance. There's no, no reason for me to choose this. Tim's mind is a steel trap that doesn't close. (laughs) And so then on top of that, when I'm like, okay, which episode should I choose? And I'm looking at a list of episodes. I went, the cheesecake episode. I was going to ask if we did the cheesecake episode just because you love cheesecake. I do love cheesecake. So I'm guessing you just went off the title and you didn't listen to it and sent it to us, didn't you? <laughs> no, I, I did. I in fact listened to several and uh, thought this is the one I, I wanted to listen to beyond just the title. Well, great. Uh, that actually makes me feel a little better because now I can throw myself in a certain corner and then we can let Joshua lord things over us because <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about Philo Vance. And in the intro, and we said, oh, he's considered one of the great, you know, I know all those detectives, of course, and I know a lot about all of those in our intro. But yes, I've heard the name Philo Vance. It's not completely foreign to me, but I don't know anything about it. Was it from the R.E.M. song? (laughs) Yes, it was from the R.E.M. song. Uh, Stand on Philo Vance. (laughs) That's what I thought they were saying. But uh, yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting because uh, obviously Joshua knows something about Philo Vance. And I want to hear why the essence of Philo Vance didn't transfer to the radio series, if anybody knows. My guess would be this is 1949 and what was hugely popular in the late 40s on the radio were hard-boiled detectives. So I think people wanted a recognizable name. Yeah, Philo Vance, but updated him to reflect the tough detective character who throws bad guys off of fire escapes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know what didn't transfer is the fact that he's impeccably dressed. You just have to picture it, I guess. Yeah, so I understand that he was sort of known to be foppish. um, Oh. Not at all foppish in this. No, he's not like hard-boiled in his dialogue. He's erudite, but not like a dandy or anything like that. <laughs> Not like the uh, best friend of uh, Candy Matson. Rot, what's his name? <laughs> Rembrandt Watson. Rembrandt yes. Watson, yes. <laughs> Although he should have his own series as well. Yes, yes. Well, Joshua, what do you know about Philo Vance? Pretty much what Tim said. I'm not a huge fan. I think I read, I can't even remember which one I read like 20 years ago. Um, not my cup of tea because it was an American-style detective story doing the British-style detective character, and it just didn't really speak to me. I've seen one of the films because I love William Powell, and so I enjoy those because I'll watch anything with him in it. So it's like the American version of The Office. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I was really surprised when I heard this radio show. This was not what I expected. I expected it to be a little bit more of a run-of-the-mill, cozy radio mystery. And it really wasn't. What surprised me the most, well, two things surprised me. One, that opening scene is brilliant. I was totally taken in uh, by the sweet, innocent young lovers and their teasing cheesecake banter. And then when Billy says, it's a mask, I just for a moment went, what am I listening to? Is it a wrestling mask? Is is this some kind of S&M thing? Is he a superhero? Like, I, I went through every possible scenario, even impossible ones, except for that he was a criminal. And then as soon as that became apparent, I was like, of course. So this thing hooked me immediately, and I was on board. I agree with you 100%. I thought that was really, really cool how every day and average they were mm-hmm. as just human beings, and he was just going to work. And uh, 
Yeah, when I heard mask, you know, I immediately, because of where we are now, went, oh, they got the COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I got to get a mask. It's pretty. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the Bonnie and Clyde aspect of it. That's what it made me feel like. Not that we know this for sure, but there was accounts of Bonnie and Clyde frequently in their downtime, not running, playing house. In other words, trying to make this very normal life for themselves in these places that they would stop and be at. And I'm wondering if it wasn't somewhat inspired by those stories that people heard. And that it's one of the reasons that the public fell in love with Bonnie and Clyde is because they were portrayed, at least in the media, as being just normal kids who were in love. And I'll admit that opening scene just bought this whole episode so much leeway for me. And then when I realized that this is not a whodunit, it's a how catch em. It's a Columbo-style mystery. And I love that, too, and had this aha moment and went, this is what all radio should have done, because 30 minutes is not enough time, as we've mentioned before, to build up a great array of suspects. So to concentrate on a mystery and to wonder how Philo Vance is ever going to catch him works so much better in this simple 30-minute radio drama format. I was just thinking that same Columbo uh, connection, in part because I'm watching a bunch of Columbo right now, but also... While we podcast? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry if I've been a little distracted. But it also then has your, your main character doesn't show up for a while. Quite a while, actually. Mm-hmm. Not kidding you, Tim. This is my next sentence in my notes. This reminds me of an episode of Columbo. <laughs> uh, he's not a stumbler and a bumbler, or pretending to be. It, it doesn't have that Columbo character, but it does have a Columbo type of plot to it where if you're looking for in the right places and things in the right way, you would have seen this as well. And I did enjoy the wrap-up at the end of about the sun visors and the jacket. I thought, yeah, that's really cool. That would make you think twice. And he has that line that I really appreciate that, yeah, well, that doesn't tell you anything. It just makes you think instead of saying, and that's how I knew there were two people in the car. He went, yeah, I still didn't really know, but you got to explore that. And I I appreciated that crime solving. And like Columbo, I can think of many, many reasons why that sun visor is down and why the top coat would be in the back of the car that right. doesn't involve a second passenger at all. But it works for the listener when they hear it. You go, oh, that makes sense. I mean, the cheesecake stuff is so ridiculous in here. The idea that he stops before this robbery to buy a little post-robbery cheesecake right. and leaves it in the back of a crash car. The fact that this guy gets to eat cheesecake every day of his life, I'm a little jealous of that. Either, we don't know, he might be quite a large person or <laughs> has some really good metabolism. Because eating cheesecake every day... Yeah, maybe his finger wasn't paralyzed, it just doesn't fit in the trigger guard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a pretty straightforward thing. Tim, you listen to other episodes of this, and I have not. Are they all kind of the same? Well, yeah, I didn't mention this because I thought Joshua would know it better than I did, um, because I don't know it that well. But I guess uh, Van Dyne at some point wrote like... 20 keys to mystery. So these 20 things that are core elements to what he thinks should be happening in mystery writing. I don't know what those are. I didn't look them up. (laughs) (laughs) Someone needs to commit a crime. That's number one. (laughs) But like, as opposed to Agatha Christie, there's no information hidden. Every step of the way you should be able to follow. And in this one, it was one of the, actually to my ears, weaker points of when he goes to, talk to the model who was shot and she gives him basically one piece of information and the uh, policeman says like what do you mean she told you what you need she only told you one thing that I was thinking yes the one obvious thing that he was firing with the middle finger so something was wrong with his trigger finger yeah Um, this is the district attorney he is a really dumb district attorney that's a trope you know like the dumb DA it's usually the beat cop who's the dumb guy. It was weird to put him with the higher up, who yeah. was otherwise portrayed as educated and on the ball. So throughout all the episodes I listened to, it has that quality. It would rather be a little too obvious in a clue than to be <laughs> too obfuscating. It would rather play completely fair. So sometimes then the mystery is not so much a mystery. 
What really appealed to me about this particular episode was just the weird riffing on cheesecake theme. <laughs> that this guy is eating cheesecake on his way to rob a cheesecake photographer. <laughs> that is purely just for the entertainment of well, the audience and the writer. They even go out of their way to establish that the photographer is wealthy, doesn't need to do this cheesecake <laughs> photography. It's just because he also loves cheesecake. Just a different kind <laughs> right. of cheesecake than the guy who's about to kill him. Oh, the irony. <laughs> as far as dessert-themed old-time radio shows go, mm -hmm. this is the best. I think so. Because <laughs> we did that other one that I hated. I can't remember the name of it now. The Tiramisu Murders? <laughs> God, I hate tiramisu, by the way. I hate it. Oh. Makes me want to kill. Would you like some mushy bread in a bowl? No, I would not. Um, the haunting of bread pudding. The haunting of bread pudding. <laughs> Keep it going, Tim. There's 10 more. There's 10 more. Spawn of the cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> cherry pie could sing. It had the word tort in it. Oh, uh, oh, we actually did one. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is it the, the man, man who loved cream, cream tarts? tarts? Yes, that cream tarts. That was terrible. So as oh, far as dessert I like the ones, cream tarts much I know better. you did. I, throw down. You are actually making a point. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Tim just thought you were lobbing softballs at him. <laughs> Keep them coming, Eric. <laughs> Uh, uh, key lime something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Dashiell Hammett's the glass key lime. <laughs> Cat wife key lime pie. No. no. Nope. You always got to take it one step too far, man. <laughs> I was just trying to play. <laughs> the day Sinatra got fat on cake. Hey, I like hey. it. Uh, thanks. I'm no good at this. What are the other thoughts that came to you guys while you're watching this? Or listening to this, I should say. One, small criticism, but when that guy fell off the uh, was window, was he thrown out of? Can't off a fire escape he was trying to get Oh, yes, out. the yep. fire escape. That was the saddest I'm falling from a fire escape scream <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh... Took me a while to figure out what was going on in that scene. Had to go back and re-listen. They bust in. And he's getting out the fire escape. And there was a moment I thought they picked him up and threw him out. <laughs> but then I figured it out. I mean, it was a brutal ending and nobody really cared at the end. It's two weeks in a row that the show has ended on someone going out a window and to their death. Well, yeah, he says, hey, Vance, is this the killer down here? <laughs> yes, Markham, that was our murderer. Da -da -da -da. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish there were more Columbo episodes where Peter Falk just throws a guy out a window. <laughs> I mean, my disappointment in this was Philo Vance. If the story around it weren't so entertaining, both clever like that opening scene and silly like the cheesecake through line, this would be rather dull. And I love Jackson Beck. I love that voice. But he has no character. He's really muted. Correct. And dull. He's like the boring period on the shadow where it's mostly Lamont Cranston and he never turns into the shadow. It's sort of that guy and both he and the DA do so much insincere chuckling at each other's <laughs> quips during this. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> It struck me as if you took Candy Matson out of Candy Matson, uh, but still had the sort of abandon of we're just having a good time and we'll tell you what the clues were later. Right. Um, so I had a good time with it. It could have been any detective, though. It could have just been a detective story because, Joshua, you're absolutely right. There's no distinct character trait at all to Philo Vance that makes him stand out in any way, shape, or form from anything. Uh, in fact, there were times I got very confused on who was talking, him or the DA. Yeah, I can see that. I've listened to so much Adventures of Superman. I just kept expecting him to say... And last time we saw Superman. I haven't listened to much of that. The only announcer I know is Ted Knight. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice. <laughs> did you listen to Superman as a kid, or do you still listen to Superman? 
Are you making fun of me? Are you going to take my lunch <laughs> no. money if I say yes? <laughs> no. I'm just curious. Hey, nerd, you listening to Superman? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just curious. No, I have. Uh, not in okay. a long time, but I, I okay. loved them. I love that serial format. And there's some pretty fun serials. I mean, they're long and repetitive. Stop selling. Stop selling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a great line in here. We have a top coat that means nothing and a cheesecake that doesn't help us. And that's <laughs> it's like it has this really like existential quality to it. We're alone in a universe without cheesecake. There was a couple lines that just <laughs> popped out. Like the um, the actual uh, perp at one point. I'm going to get the quote wrong. I'm going to paraphrase it. But it's like, uh, I believe in me. I've got that much coming. Like the sudden burst of self-esteem. Like, nice job. <laughs> you go uh, the people you killed also believed in themselves though so uh gross but his confidence slides a little because i think in almost the very next line he says if this goes off i'll buy you a necklace and if it doesn't i'll get a noose for free <laughs> yeah he's really confident again yeah. it's really an odd it's all the it cheesecake is... <laughs> yeah I like when they go to see the traumatized model and the nurse says, uh, don't do anything to upset her. And they're like, oh, we won't. We're just going to ask her to revisit the <laughs> emotionally scarring shooting she was involved in. I also like the conversation between her and the photographer. We're going to take the time to talk about this lady's makeup and hair and legs. I mean, honestly, my favorite part of this are the first two scenes. It should have just ended there. <laughs> I will say there is a grotesque moment in a good way, uh, very visceral is the best way to put it, when he kills the guy and she's screaming and he turns and shoots her mm -hmm. in a panic and then you can feel through the performance the, the, oh my God, what have I done? I've got to get out of here. And then her call to the police yeah. Yeah. is really distressing. And I thought those were great scenes from that standpoint. And yeah, I was shocked to have an old-time radio show, even later on, like 1949, where a woman who's just been shot drags herself to a telephone. <laughs> and at the time, I thought she died. Yeah. But, you know, it's a lot better than dragging herself from the runway over to the nearby cemetery. <laughs> to see last week's podcast. Because <laughs> we listen to these back-to-back, -back and I go, there's a lot of... Near dead people dragging themselves around in these stories. That was a big deal in the late 40s, early 50s, dragging yourself around. Well, there was that big hit by... <laughs> Tommy Dorsey. Drag yourself around, round, round, round. All right. Any other thoughts, gentlemen? I'm glad uh, I had the arbitrary, was... wrong, happy reaction to the title of Final Fantasy. <laughs> All right, well, let's send it to a vote. I'll start this week. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I think that it's a good detective story. Had some uh, great moments and performances and some taken aback gasping of, oh, that was visceral and disturbing. And so it had all the elements, and I like how it was solved. I, I like everything. The, uh, the criticism I have of it is I really didn't care who the detective was. Could have been anybody. But other than that, I would listen to more of these. Stand the test of time? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I particularly thought it stood the test of time. Um, what with the sort of thematic riffing in the plot of that seemed like a sort of modern improv theater kind of move. And then I agree with everything you said of the story was filled with really fascinating characters and interactions. And this the, the one sort of blank spot was the main character, which is not even to be critical of him. It's just it, he didn't shine as much as everything around him. Well, I'm going to be critical of the character. <laughs> for me, I'm not a big puzzle person. I love mysteries for the detective character. And this guy was so blank, it makes me suspicious to <laughs> listen to more. Like, this has to be an anomaly. Maybe I'm wrong, but I have to give it a lot of credit for just the really surprising scenes. Scenes I did not expect whatsoever. And I really think more mysteries of this era should have done this. Columbo style, how you catch them. It just works so much better. It's less predictable. And I will give that to this one. It was not a predictable <laughs> mystery in any way. 
In mysteries, you're saying, Joshua, you're driven by the detective and not by the solving of the puzzle. Yeah, I'm just drawn to those eccentric characters and geniuses, and usually their dialogue is fun. I am too. I just, I love the puzzle, though. I love being told. See, and you know, I think it's back to me. I was terrible in math or science <laughs> in school, and to me, it's like, this is not what I read books for is to have a puzzle it was like being given a test instead of a book so (laughs) if the detective wasn't fun that's what books were to me fun i wasn't interested you know what i love Hmm. cheesecake (laughs) tim tell them other stuff (laughs) please go visit ghoulishdelights.com uh that is where you will find this podcast you can listen to other episodes you can comment on episodes vote let us know your opinion you can send us messages request things um, you can also link to our social media pages, and there's a Facebook group and some Twitter people. That's not right. You can send messages on the Twitter. You can Twitter, tweet. Tweet, that's the word I'm looking for. Tweet things. And Instagram at us. You're doing Thank great, you. Tim. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> nom, 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 cheesecake. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Um, we are going to start a new $50 a month level in which you get a cheesecake <laughs> every month. <laughs> It may or may not have been involved in a murder. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we've got a lot of fun stuff on there. We've got Zoom happy hours we do once a month with our patrons. We have bonus episodes of the podcast. Uh, We have other things that I'm forgetting right now because I'm still thinking of cheesecake. (laughs) Oh, that's the other thing. The DA didn't like cheesecake. Who doesn't like cheesecake? Come on. Anyway, go to (laughs) patreon.com slash (laughs) themorals. You can see us perform old-time radio shows. Our theatrical division of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society does adaptations of classic radio shows and a lot of original work as well. Um, We are with Park Square Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, and perform there as of now, monthly. And you can go to parksquaretheater.org to get tickets to see our monthly shows that are currently online and will soon be back on stage once this whole COVID thing's over, which if you're listening to this in 2042, you're like, ha ha, COVID. All right, so... um, (laughs) They were only in the third wave. (laughs) Little did they know. See us perform old-time radio shows theatrically. Go to parksquaretheater.org, ghoulishdelights.com, or the mysterious old radio listening society.com. Any of those will take you to all the information that we just talked about and links to everything. All right, what's coming up next? Next, we have a listener request. It is SOS from the Mysterious Traveler. Until then, listen to the music. And enjoy your cheesecake. (laughs) I'll do it straight. And listen to the voices eating cheesecake. (laughs) (laughs) The nice thing is that's recorded and you just got your tag. (laughs) It's the end of Philo Vance as we know it. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.